Hi, this is Whitney and Natalie, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. Today, we are continuing our Quick Hit series designed to review high-yield topics for our yearly in-service examination. Today, we are going to be discussing high-yield topics related to congenital hand deformities. All right, so let's start out with some anatomy and embryology. This will be a little bit of brute force memorization, but let's go ahead and get started. So the upper extremity consists of mesenchyme covered by ectoderm. The limb grows by proliferation of that mesenchyme. As far as timing, it's about four weeks or 26 days when the limb bud formation begins. At 37 days, the hand plate forms. At six weeks, you begin to get finger buds between six and eight weeks or 44 or 54 days, uh, the fingers start to separate. And then eight to 12 weeks is when you get ossification. So there are some um, genetics that we think about with hand development, including Hox genes, which are implicated in regulating limb growth and differentiation. It also helps the limb develop along three different axes which we'll discuss in detail. First, there's proximodistal, then there's anterior posterior, which is your radial and ulnar, and then dorsoventral. So with proximodistal development, um, there is what's called the apical dermal ridge, abbreviated AER. And this is the thickened ridge of ectoderm that responds to the fibro- fibroblast growth, growth factors, or FGF, to control limb out- outgrowth. So failure of AR leads to a truncated limb. Uh, bone morphogenic protein or BMP plays a role in cell death during hand formation. If BMP fails, your result is syndactyly. As far as anterior posterior differentiation, which is the radial ulnar, um, there's a zone of polarizing activity or ZPA. Um, and this is the exodermal region present in the posterior aspect of the developing upper limb. It's responsible for uh, radial ulnar differentiation and upper extremity of the upper extremity and driven by sonic hedgehog protein. If ZPA fails, this results in mirror hand deformity, and that uh, is generally with a central finger and identical flanking fingers. Finally, dorsal ventral development. Um, the dorsal ectoderm drives the development of this uh, type of axis. And the characteristics of these limb, this limb development is under the control of WNT7A, wingless type. <laughs> and this causes EN1 expression on the ventral side of the limb, leading to ventralization and ventral differentiation. It also leads to LMX1B expression on the dorsal side of the limb, leading to dorsal differentiation. I hope you got all that (laughs) because it might take a couple of times before you do. (laughs) Um, Types of failure in embryonic development include uh, a few things that we'll go into more detail uh, later on, but generally failure of differentiation includes syndactyly, symbracodactyly, which is associated with Pullen syndrome, um, camplodactyly and clinodactyly. Failure of formation includes cleft hand and longitudinal deficiencies. Duplication includes mirror hand deformity and polydactyly. Overgrowth includes macrodactyly and undergrowth includes brachydactyly. Thanks so much for that, Natalie. Um, embryology is everyone's least favorite topic, I think. <laughs> I uh, tend to agree. <laughs> 
Um, so now let's take a closer look at some of these developmental errors and talk about some congenital um, hand defects. The first one that we're going to be talking about is syndactyly, which is variable fusion between two adjacent fingers. There are several ways to classify syndactyly, um, starting with complete syndactyly, which involves the entire commissure, including the nail bed, versus incomplete syndactyly, which only involves a part, a part of the digit, so not completely through the entire length of the digit. You can also classify syndactyly as simple, complex, or complicated. Simple syndactylies involve fusion only through the skin. Complex syndactylies involve fusion in, uh, involving the bone, whereas complicated syndactyly involves multiple structures, so including fusion of bones, joints, tendons, muscles, and or neurovascular structures. In terms of timing of treatment, it is generally recommended to wait until a year when complications are reduced from an anesthetic standpoint and when the structures of the fingers are larger, therefore making it easier to operate. For involvement, however, of the border digits, these include the small finger and thumb, you may consider earlier separation to prevent tethering and shortening of the neighboring digits. In general, the goal is to complete reconstruction if you have syndactylies of multiple digits by 24 months. This is when kids are really able to use their pinch grasp and you want that to develop normally. Treatment of syndactyly um, is based on the complexity of the syndactyly and the number of digits that are involved. For simple syndactylies, you start with a digital separation by creating dorsal and volar digital flaps uh, that are almost like a Bruner type incision. These are created to reconstruct the joint space. And in general, you can't, can, you can't cover the entire uh, space between the two fingers with these dorsal and volar uh, digital flaps. And therefore you will need a full thickness skin graft, um, to cover areas that are not able to be uh, covered by the flaps. Uh, further, you need to reconstruct the web space. Uh, this is generally reconstructed by a dorsal rectangular flap. Um, and the limit of this dissection is the bifurcation of the digital arteries for multiple digits. The separation is staged starting with the border digits, so the first and the fourth web spaces, followed by the second and third web spaces. Those are, these are oftentimes undertaken in two separate operations. One thing to note is that syndactylies are associated with multiple syndromes, most notably Apert syndrome, uh, which is uh, characterized by coronal craniosynostosis, midfacial abnormalities, and complex syndactylies of the hands and feet. Next, we'll talk about polydactyly. Um, there are two kinds we'll discuss, post-axial and pre-axial. Um, post-axial polydactyly includes an extra digit that's on the ulnar side of the hand. The most, it's the most common type of polydactyly and affects African-Americans disproportionately with an incidence of uh, 1 to 143 live births. In classifying uh, this type of polydactyly, type A is with a fully formed duplicate digit. You can treat this with surgery to remove the extra digit and maintain stability of the small finger. Type B is when you have a nubbin or like a poorly developed uh, ulnar duplication. Treatment also includes suture ligation if the small skin bridge, if there is a small skin bridge that exists versus surgical excision um, of the extra digit. Preaxial polydactyly describes thumb duplication. Um, and there's uh, a classification system called the Wassell or Wassell uh, classification, kind of um, marches one, uh, one through five or seven to correctly classify 
and count the number of the affected bones. So uh, in, in type one, it's incomplete distal phalanx duplication, including only one bone, type one, one bone. Um, type two is complete distal phalanx duplication of two bones. And then in this um, classification, uh, there are some treatment options that we can go over here. First, excision of the radial portion of the bone and stabilization with the collateral ligament reconstruction via ligamentous and periosteal flap. And two, um, I do not know how to pronounce this. This is Bilhout Cloquet, cloquet uh, and that's excision of central bone and soft tissue uh, and combination of the duplicated bones. <laughs> Whitney, how do you how do you say that? I also have no idea how to say that, truthfully. Okay. Um, all I know is it's when both the bones are kind of smushed together instead of one of them being excised. And I have no idea how to say that. <laughs> All right, perfect, perfect. Not people's crazy names. Yeah, okay, perfect, awesome. In <laughs> um, type three, there's incomplete proximal phalanx duplication of three bones. Type four is complete proximal and distal duplication with four bones. This is the most common thumb duplication. Treatment here is to excise the radial portion of the bone and stabilize with the collateral with collateral ligament reconstruction. It's really important to maintain the ulnar collateral ligament for thumb stability at the MCP joint. Also, we'll need to re reposition uh, the eccentric flexor and extensor tendons, as well as identify and reattach the abductor pollicis brevis. Type five is an incomplete duplication of a metacarpal. Type six is duplicated metacarpal completely. And then type seven is a triphalangeal thumb. At this point, um, now that we've gone over duplicated thumbs, we are going to be going over some abnormalities that are specific to hypoplasia or dysplasia of the radius and thumb. And we refer to this as radial longitudinal deficiency. Uh, radial longitudinal deficiencies, importantly, fall along a spectrum, and they can be classified by the degree of hypoplasia of the radius. Type one, uh, you have just a short distal radius. Type two, uh, you have a hypoplastic radius. Type three, there's partial absence of the radius. And type four, there is total absence of the radius. It is important to note in these patients that there are multiple associated syndromes. So in patients that have uh, radial longitudinal deficiency, oftentimes need further workup by a number of pediatric specialists. Uh, these associated symptoms include thrombocytopenia absent radius syndrome, or TAR. Um, it's an autosomally recessive disorder characterized by an absent radius, relatively normal thumb, and thrombocytopenia. Holt-Orm syndrome uh, is another associated syndrome. It is autosomally dominant. Uh, it is associated with a radial longitudinal deficiency accompanied by either atrial or ventricular septal defects. Vactral is our everyone's uh, most well-known um, syndrome. Uh, Vactral stands for vertebral deformities, anal atresia, cardiac abnormalities, tracheoesophageal fistula, renal agenesis, and limb deformities. The limb deformities, in fact, uh, can be radial longitudinal deficiency. In these patients, the best predictor of inpatient mortality is their cardiac disease among the number of um, abnormalities that they have. Finally, um, one that we frequently get tested on is Fanconi anemia. It's an autosomally recessive pancytopenia and it's treated with bone marrow transplantation. Patients, therefore, with radial longitudinal deficiency should always undergo a chromosomal breakage test for earlier detection of Fanconi's anemia. Additional screening in these patients includes spinal x-rays, cardiac echocardiogram, 
uh, renal ultrasound and CBC. The important thing to know about Fanconi's anemia is that they oftentimes do not manifest with anaplastic anemia on routine blood testing until after three years of age. Therefore, um, chromosomal breakage testing is really the only way to diagnose these patients during infancy. Moving on from radial longitudinal deficiency to thumb hypoplasia, it's important to note that all patients with radial longitudinal deficiency will have some amount of thumb hypoplasia, but that not all patients with thumb hypoplasia have a radial longitudinal deficiency. Uh, for thumb hypoplasia, there is a classification system known as the Blouth classification system. The Blouth classification system uh, type one is minimal hypoplasia of the thumb with a full complement of neurovascular and musculoskeletal elements that are just small in size. Oftentimes, no surgical treatment is necessary for these patients. Blouth classification type two, um, there are all bones present, but hypoplastic, and there can be some instability of the ulnar collateral ligament at the MCP joint. Uh, as long as thin or hypoplasia. Again, these patients don't always need surgical therapy. It just depends on the instability of the um, ulnar collateral ligament. Type 3A, uh, the CMC joint is intact. However, there is poor active motion at the MCP and the IP joint. Type 3B, there is deficiency of the CMC joint with absence of the trapezium, aplastic proximal first metacarpal head, and absence of the MP and IP joint motion. Type 4 is a Plaus flotant or a floating thumb. Uh, therefore, there are in these patients, there are no muscular or skeletal attachments between the thumb and the hand. And obviously there is an absent CMC. And in type five, uh, this is just really an absent thumb. It's important to note that the real break in the classification system happens between type 3A and type 3B. And we'll get into that a little bit more in terms of treatment. But in type 3A, there is a CMC joint that is intact. And in type 3B, there is a deficiency of the CMC joint. As far as treatment goes for Blouth type 2 and 3A, uh, treatment is really aimed at MCP joint stabilization with opponent's plasty and deepening of the first web space. And this is all, always based on the degree of hypoplasia of the thumb. Uh, Blouth type 3B or higher. Um, and so these are patients who do not have a functional CMC joint. The treatment is thumb amputation and index policization. So the timing of index pulsization is often performed sometime between three months to three years. Um, and it's, however, it's important to perform the surgery before the patient or the child learns a pinch grasp um, because you want them to learn their pinch grasp with the polycized index finger. In terms of the surgical procedure, uh, the procedure requires shortening of the index finger metacarpal and repositioning of the metacarpal head to become the CMC. So essentially you're taking the index finger and making it into your thumb. You're taking the index metacarpal head and um, MCP joint, and that then becomes the CMC joint. So again, the index MP joint becomes a new thumb CMC joint. The index PIP joint becomes the new thumb MP joint. The index DIP joint becomes the thumb IP joint, and the index proximal phalanx then becomes the metacarpal and et cetera as the bones go on. In terms of the tendons, there are some tendons that we need to um, understand what they are used for. So the index EDC becomes the APL, the index EIP becomes the EPL, and the dorsal interosseous becomes the AB ductor pollicis brevis, whereas the palmar interosseous becomes the AD ductor pollicis. Um, there's a good way to remember this. Uh, remember back to anatomy and pad dab. So palmar adducts and dorsal adducts. 
Um, so again, that helps you remember that the dorsal interosseous becomes the adductor, the or the AB ductor, and the palmar interosseous becomes the AD ductor. For um, polycization, um, again, these this is really helpful for patients that don't have a CMG joint that's present. Um, other reconstructive options, if you do have a patient who wants a longer thumb, can be things like great toe to thumb transfer. Um, however, these patients definitely need a CMC joint present. So any of the Blouth type 3B or higher patients will need an index polycization. Um, moving on from classifications into more uh, kind of uh, syndromes and uh, diseases that we encounter here at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with a few of these. So first there's amniotic band syndrome or constriction band sy syndrome. And this is caused generally by low amniotic fluid, which leads to constrictive rings. This is responsible for 12% of all congenital limb deformities. Uh, and it has no known genetic transmission as far as we understand. There are some associated factors, including prematurity, low birth weight, and young multigravida mothers, uh, as well as oligohydramnios. The, cl the clinical manifestations of amniotic band syndrome vary from skin dimpling to digital amputation, uh, digital amputation in its severe form. Um, acrosyndactyly is pathognomonic for amniotic band syndrome, which is where fingers are joined except distally. This can result uh, in compartment syndrome with edema, bole, followed by compartment syndrome and Volkmann's contracture. Bole is an early sign uh, and really like the sentinel lesion of um, severe uh, amniotic band syndrome. Treatment includes excision of the constriction band. And initially you may limit that excision to half followed by the other half three to six months later. This results in rapid resolution of the edema and associated symptoms. The treatment of compartment syndrome generally is constriction band excision, which is tested. So treat the underlying cause kind of scenario. Back to the dactylies, there is camptodactyly to discuss, which is a painless and progressive non-traumatic contracture of the PIP joint. This affects 1% of the population and will typically show an x-ray of the contracted uh, PIP joint. Treatment is really non-operative, including static splinting, and surgery can be the last option after you've tried more conservative measures. Clinodactyly is where there is excessive radial or ulnar deviation of a digit, which can be caused by the by a delta phalanx or bracketed epiphysis. The Kerner deformity is a progressive palmar and radial curvature of the distal phalanx of the little finger that presents in preadolescence. In congenital trigger finger, um, this presents with flexion at the IP joint with sporadic locking as well. This presents more commonly in the ulnar digits with associated malformations of superficial and deep flexors. Treatment is generally observation at one year, treatment after three years. And if you go to surgery, you will typically need an A1 pulley release with tenoplasty of the chiasm and partial opening of the A2 pulley is generally necessary as well. In trigger thumb, there's often development of a pathognomonic nada's node or enlargement of the flexor tendon proximal to the A1 pulley. Two more dactylies here, macrodactyly, uh, which is a congenital overgrowth disorder. And this also represents 1% of upper extremity congenital anomalies. Digital enlargement involves all tissue types and maintains patterns of growth and anatomic relationships within the affected portion of the hand. To treat this, uh, if the affected fingers are sensate, then you can debulk 
and uh, epiphysodesis, which is a premature closure of the growth plates, are performed at uh, IP and MP joints. Associated sim- syndromes are neurofibromatosis or von Reckinghausen's disease. Brachydactyly, finally, is shortened fingers, and treatment is aimed at keeping the pinch, um, uh, the pincher grasp. Attempt to reconstruct a small and ring fingers to facilitate grip and opposition is generally favored. Perform treatment between 8 to 12 months of age. And if there's no functional deficit, then reconstruction really is not necessary. Oh, man, we made it through all the dactyles. Um, <laughs> there are a number of them. I, I think the most common ones that are tested on are really the um, syndactyly, polydactyles, and then a lot on the thumb um, duplication and hypoplasias, just so you, to keep that in mind while you're studying. Uh, just to finish off, there are just a couple of miscellaneous other things that we get tested on in terms of upper extremity congenital defects. Um, notably, one is shoulder dystocia. Um, this is found to be a major risk factor for, uh, injuries of the brachial plexus at birth and cesarean section is protective. Um, additionally, uh, we do get asked occasionally about salts or Harris fractures. So these are fractures that involve the physis, um, and therefore occur within, um, children because they obviously still have a growth plate. Um, there's a classification system for the salts or Harris fractures. Um, but I will leave it up to you guys to look that up because, in my opinion, the pictures are worth a thousand words. Uh, finally, uh, infants that do undergo upper extremity reconstruction procedures oftentimes do need to be placed in a long arm cast because kids are sneaky and they get out of all of their dressings. Um, so if you are planning on casting a child in general, they do need to be in a long arm cast to make sure that it stays on. Um, and with that, that ends our quick hits episode on congenital hand. Thanks for joining me and Natalie today. And we look forward to our next episode and happy studying for the in-service. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.